So today the word of the Lord is coming from Ruth chapter 1, the entire chapter 1. Let me know when you guys are there. You should already be there because you got the papers with you today. All right, we're all reading together. The word of the Lord according to Ruth chapter 1. We're going to go on through, okay? One, two, three. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, where he and his wife had two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And when she was left with her two sons, these took Moabite wives. The names of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malhan and Chilion died. Verse 6. Then she arose with her daughter-in-law and returned from the country of Moab. But when she had heard the fields of Moab, that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughter-in-laws, and then they went out into the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Go and return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you, each of you, your husband. Then she kissed him, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb? that they may belong to your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Verse 
Amen. Love, look over to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Have you shown Hasad? Hasad. Hasad. This year. Amen. Ruth chapter 1. Thank you all so much for reading that with me. That is a real joy. I'm just going to summarize really quickly what's going on here, what has happened. There's a lot. Ten years. We just read through ten years' worth of story. More, more than that, right? So there are a couple characters that are going on in here. We have Naomi. We have Elimelech. We have Malon. We have Chilion. They all got rhyming names. And then we got Orpah and we have Ruth. Orpah and Ruth. So Naomi and Elimelech, they're from the tribe of Judah. So they're coming from Israel. And what's happening there is there's a famine going on in Bethlehem right right now. And so they got to get out of there. They have to leave their home to go someplace else where they can find food, where everything will be fine for them. So Naomi follows her husband, Elimelech. They go on over to Moab with their two sons, Malon and Chilion. But... Unfortunately, 10 years later, as they're there, the father, Elimelech, passes away. And then Mahan and Chilion, they decide, all right, let's get married. We're of that age. They find two women, because they're in Moab. They find two women. I think Mahan takes Orpah and Chilion takes Ruth, whichever one. And they get married. Then a few years later after that, Mahan and Chilion both die. And Naomi's distraught. I want you to kind of think of what, what Naomi's probably thinking of, what she's going through, and she's facing all this loss in just a short five verses, guys. Just a short five verses. We rush it, we read through it, and we can brush it through very quickly. We can read Ruth in like 10 minutes. But this is years of life, somebody's life that, 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 that occurred. So keep that in mind as we're going through this. So then it's left with Oprah and Ruth. What happens with Oprah? Then Naomi says, you know, go back to your gods. Because Moab served a different god. So go back to your gods. Go back to your families. I got nothing for you. And back in the day, what would happen is that you would have to marry the, the, the brother of the person who passed away. All right? So Naomi's saying, I don't have any kids for you. I, I can't. Was, I only had two sons. Even if I'm to get to marry somebody at my old age, give birth again, are you going to sit around and wait for the person to turn, you know, of, of the age to be able to marry so that you can marry that person? No. So Naomi's saying, I got nothing for you. You can go. And then, you know, Orpah and Ruth are like, no, 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 we're going to stay with you. Like, we're going to be with you to the end. And then Naomi breaks it down even further and says, I really have nothing for you left. And then Oprah's like, all right, peace. I know I said I promised you I'd be here, but I'm going to go now back to my people. And then there's left with Ruth. And Ruth gives this very, very popular, this famous line where she says, you know, do not urge me to leave or, re- 
or to return from following you. From where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. That is such an amazing thing, because you've got to think about what, what it is that Ruth is going through during this time. Think that Naomi's not the only person that suffered loss. Ruth also just lost her husband at such a young age. Imagine back then they would get married maybe at like 14, 15. So a couple years have gone down the road. Ruth is probably still either in her late teens or in her early 20s. Right? So I'm going to give you, now that I've given you a bit of a summary of what's going on in chapter one. Oh, what happens in the end? Naomi says, all right, cool, I'll, I'll go with you. You can come with me. Then they go on over to Bethlehem. And Naomi, who was happy in the beginning, you know, she had her family, she had her kids, she had her daughter-in-laws, all those things. She goes back to Bethlehem with absolutely nothing, except for Ruth. Ruth the Moabite. And I'll continue saying Ruth the Moabite as we continue for today, and I'll explain why that is. As you guys notice in the beginning of the, of the verses, it talks about where each person is from. And that part's going to be really key. And I'll explain why pretty soon. The next point of this, I want to talk about a little bit of a history of the Moabites. I think you guys may know who they are, right? Everybody knows who the Moabites are? You guys said you've gone through Ruth so many times, right? So who are the Moabites? Hmm? Yes, Ruth and Orpah are Moabites. They're from the tribe of Moabites. Maybe I should ask the question, who is Moab? Maybe that's a better question for me to ask. Who is Moab? Exactly. So the Moabites are descendants of Moab, and Moab is the first son between Lot and his daughter. So Lot's daughter, Lot had two daughters. Lot is um, the nephew of Abraham. All right, just think of how all this is going. Abraham's people, their line is where the Israelites, right? And then there's Lot. And Lot's daughters, they're like, you know, we don't have any men to marry us. So let's just be with our fathers and then have a child, right? And so they have two children. They, they have one child each. The first one goes first and names him Moab. And the other one goes second and names their son Ben-Ami. You see this in Genesis. If you go way back there. And so from there came the Moabites, who served this god by the name of Chesim, I believe. Oh, sorry. Their god was Chemosh. So the land of the Moabites, where they stayed, their god was Chemosh. And the other person, Ben-Ami, became the father, pretty much the founding father of the Ammonites. You guys know your Bible history. You know that the Ammonites, they don't necessarily get along very well with the Israelites. And the Israelites don't necessarily get along with the Moabites. So imagine Ruth, a Moabite, having to go back to Bethlehem. Right? Think like, I, at the end of the day, I want us to all think, where are their minds here? Where are their heads? For Ruth to say something like this, a Moabite, to say, where you go, I will go. Where your God is, I, I will be there too. That's a lot. So the Moabites were seen as outcasts by the Israelites. But we take it back a little bit and we say, what, what would make the Israelites from a, from a tribe of Judah move 
We read it earlier within the verse, right? There was a famine going on. So they needed to be able to make it on over there. So we see that Ruth decides that I'm going to follow you, even though she's told to go back to her father. Pretty sure Ruth's dad was still alive at the time. She could have gone back home. She could have married again. She could have found a different husband, probably one who was also from Moab. But she didn't do that. Point number one, for my point, people. For those who are taking notes, I desperately urge you to take notes. Point number one, if we cannot leave things behind, we cannot be disciples of Jesus. If we cannot leave things behind, we can't be disciples of Jesus. I'm not going to spoil the story, but it gets better. Where it ends today, within the end of Ruth, we see that it's sad. Naomi is sad. She's gone back. She wants her name changed from Naomi to Mara. Naomi literally means pleasantness. Yes? Point one again? Oh, yes. Point number one, I say, if we cannot leave things behind, we cannot be disciples of Jesus. We see here that Ruth is willing to leave everything behind. She will leave everything behind. And point two, he said Naomi is 100% honest with them. She has nothing to give except herself. Naomi is 100% honest. She has nothing to give except herself. When you guys want something, you're a salesperson. Being a believer is probably the worst sales job in the world. Right? It's, it's the worst salesperson job in the world. You can't sell somebody and say, hey, I got nothing to give you, but just follow me and everything's going to be all right. We're going to be in eternity. Who would take that? Would you take that? Jesus came to you and said, hey, I got nothing to give you except eternity. I have nothing to give you except eternal life. You got to give up your brother, your mother, your father, your sister. You got to give all that up to follow me. Would you take that? You don't need to respond. You can be honest with yourselves. Many people wouldn't. And many people don't. But the story gets better. Which I know that we'll continue within Ruth chapter 2 next week. But Naomi, in this sense, as as we go through this chapter, she exudes what Christ says to us down the road. Christ says, if you can't give all these things up, you can't follow me. And Ruth is one that was willing to do so. Now we always got to wonder, why did Orpah leave? We think of Orpah as like a terrible person sometimes, right? Like, Orpah, you couldn't stay. But Orpah had a lot of things going against her, right? Orpah had a lot of, she was still young. She had a family, most likely. There were things within this world that Orpah still wanted. So when Naomi broke it down and Naomi was like, you know, I got nothing to give you. Orpah was like, oof, let me, let me rethink this. Many a times we are Orpah. We think we, we're following somebody. We think we're following Christ just for Christ. And then something happens. Something hits us. We lose something. And we're like, oh, wait, hold up. I didn't think it was going to be like this. I didn't think it was going to be like this, God. 
So let me back off. So I want each of you guys to reflect on why you have decided to follow Jesus. I pray and I hope that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And if God told you there was nothing to gain here except eternal, eternal life, would you stay? In 2020, there are many that preach blessings and blessings and blessings and material wealth and prosperity. If you had none of those things, would you still follow God? Yes, there are places where that is biblical. God blesses those whom he chooses. But is that your main reason for following Christ? If God said, I have nothing to give you, just like Naomi said here to Ruth, I have nothing to give you, would you still stay? Would you be Ruth or would you be Orpah? Point four, God rewards faithfulness. Three was about Orpah. Yes, question? Point three was about Orpah saying, pretty much re reflecting on why you've decided to follow Jesus. So point three, reflect on why you've decided to follow Jesus. If God told you there was nothing to gain, would you stay? You know, it's hard to fault Orpah. Orpah is a Moabite, y'all. We, we just discussed who the Moabites were. Naomi said, I'm going back to Bethlehem. You don't need to come with me. Orpah probably knows what's in front of her. Orpah knows the danger that's potentially facing her. So Orpah backs out. I think we've all been Orpah before. I've certainly been Orpah before. Which is why I think it's so important for us to understand the fundamentals and to understand why it is we do what we do, why we follow Jesus. That if you have absolutely nothing at all in your life, that you will still continue pressing and pushing for Christ. Because Ruth had nothing to gain and everything to lose. So as I said, what point number four was that God rewards faithfulness. And verse 16 gives us some insight. Verse 16 says, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you will go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Remember I said earlier that the Moabites, they had their own God. Their God was called Chemosh. He was the God of the Moabites. But then Ruth basically says, you know, I'm going to leave my God and I'm going to follow your God, the God of Israel. So Ruth gave up potentially having children. Let's go think about what's going on in Ruth's mind right now in your 20s. Potentially having children. Ruth gave up potentially having a new husband. She gave up having a closer relationship with her own family. She could have returned back to her dad. And she also faced danger in Israel. Ridicule. People looking at her and saying, wow, ew, you're a Moabite. 
Look at where you come from. Look at who you are. Now, I don't want to spoil the story, but Jesus Christ also comes from these people. And that's the amazing thing. So I mentioned before that Ruth had nothing to gain, but she still stayed with Naomi. So why did she do that? What was the word that I asked you guys earlier to say to one another? If you've shown... Yes, the H word. I said... I said to one another. Have we showed Hasid to one another, to one another? The reason why Ruth stayed, Ruth decided, I'm going to go with you, Naomi, was most likely because Naomi had dis- displayed Hasid to Ruth. And Hasid is seen all throughout the entire book of Ruth. What is Hasid? Hasid simply means loving kindness. But it's not so simple. Hased, loving kindness. Hased is C-H-E-S-E-D. Starts with a C. Hased. It is a Hebrew word. We going to school today, y'all. Huh? C-H-E... Yes, the C is silent. C-H-E-S-E-D. Hased. S-E-D. Basically like chest, right? So because of Naomi's hased, Ruth decided to stay. And have we showed this hased? Have we showed this loving kindness? But beloved, hased is complicated. It's, it's more than loving kindness. Those two words doesn't do the word hased justice. The term implies four actions that are interrelated. Four actions. First, it is kindness towards someone within the context of a relationship. So Naomi was kind to Ruth, step one. And it must be from the heart. So Ruth could feel that what Naomi was doing for her while they were together, while she was the daughter-in-law, that it was from Naomi's heart. The second is that once someone has experienced hased, they are now obligated to reciprocate, to do the same. So if someone's been good to you, you better be good back to them. And third, it assumes a pay it forward attitude, whereby the person is obligated to pass hased onto someone else. So you pay that kindness forward onto the next person. And fourth, it is relational. Hased is relational. It is an attitude, an active posture of community. We did the activity earlier today to kind of show a little bit of how much we need that. Hased is not isolated to individual as loving kindness might imply. But hased, hased cannot exist outside of community. The little activity that we did today, that was all community. Can we figure out a way to communicate with one another without speaking? I bet it was a bit harder, right, than being able to say when your birthday actually was. 
in the little lineup activity that we did. But we showed that we were still able to get it done because we are a community. That is where Hasid exists. I want you to ask yourself, how have you displayed Hasid this year? How have you displayed it in your life? Have you gone to that level where you display kindness to somebody? To the point where they start asking, hmm, I wouldn't mind following your God. You know how hard it is for somebody to leave their God? It's very hard. But Hesed is possible with Jesus Christ. Hesed is possible with the Holy Spirit. Naomi showed so much kindness. She showed so much kindness that it convinced Ruth, I'm going to be with you. I know I got a lot of things going on. I got a lot of issues. I know a lot of things are ahead of me. I'm giving up a lot of things right now to follow you, but I'm going to do it. Thousands of years later, Christ too comes and he displays an even greater hasad, one that is forever, one that is eternal. He says, I'm going to come. I'm going to show you how to live. I'm going to show you what to do. I'm going to show you how you can accept me, how you can make it into eternity, how you can be with God forever. God displays such a crazy level of kindness, loving kindness to us. What do we do with it as believers? The grace and the mercy that God has displayed onto it. What do we do? God says, here's Hasid. What are you doing? How are you being kind to somebody else? How are you displaying that? To your parents? To your friends? How does it happen? I pray that we continue to be able to show that to one another, if that's what you're doing. To have that understanding that when Christ came, what he did was not normal. What he did is not what the average person would do for anybody else. To say, this person has done nothing for me. But because Christ did that, we too can follow him. The same way that Naomi showed that said towards Ruth, Ruth was like, I'm going to follow you. There's something about you. I don't know what it is just yet. I don't know what I'm giving up. I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I don't care right now. All I care about is following you and following your God. Can you say that about Jesus? That yes, Jesus, you're calling, but I'm going to follow. I don't care what that means. I know that means pain. I know that means sadness. I know that means sorrow will come, but I will follow you anyway into wherever you will take me. That God's joy will flow in your heart. Amen? And then, Naomi, Naomi, Naomi. Some people say Naomi, Naomi. I've heard so many different variations. The Japanese say Naomi. Wow, okay, so anyway. All right, so Naomi, <laughs> you know, I think our Africans, we say it differently, too. Naomi. Na- Naomi. No. I don't know. I think they say Naomi, right? They say, you say Naomi? All right, all right. 
Well, that's the cool thing, right? Diversity in different ways we can say things. So that's wonderful. So Naomi is in a tough spot, right? She's, she used to be pleasant. She was so happy in the beginning. She came with her husband, and now everything's messed up. Then she goes back to Bethlehem. And what does she have to tell him? In the verse 20, he said, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Naomi's been through a lot, y'all. She's been through so much. Lost losing her husband and your children. Both of them. Exactly. And she says, call me bitterness. God gives name. But she says, call me Mara. The next point that we have here, I guess it's point number six. Five was his head. Point number six so when we don't understand God's plan, we think he is against us. When we don't understand God's plan, we believe he's against us. The chapter ends very sadly, which is why I can't wait to rush to next week to make things change. The chapter ends very sadly. But the last verse, I'll leave with you, guys, you guys with this, that the last verse gives us a very, very big clue. Don't sleep on this, y'all. The last verse gives us a wonderful clue. And that last verse says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite with her, the, the, Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem, at the beginning of barley harvest. This verse shows us something very important that I don't want you to sleep on. That timing is very, very important. Timing is important, and Ruth and Naomi have arrived at the perfect time. Some crazy things had to happen for them to get there. But when they got there, they got there at the perfect time. Amen? Humor me for a second. If Naomi's husband had not died, maybe the kids would not have taken Moabite wives. Because they might have returned to, 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 to Bethlehem. And maybe married people who were also from Judah. They wouldn't have mingled with any Moabites. And if the kids didn't take Moabite wives, there would be no Ruth in the picture. There would be no Ruth. And if the boys, the sons, the husbands, if they hadn't died, Ruth would still be married to them. Right? Fair to say. The point is that sometimes God allows tragedy to happen, but even that tragedy will work towards his glory. 
think somebody had brought up Kobe earlier, and it's, it's a very good point. The Kobe is gone now, and we don't understand why. And his wife probably feels like Naomi in a way right now, to lose a child and to lose your husband. But God promises that the story is not over. God promises that the story is not over. Something good is on the way. Something good is on the way. The book of Ruth is a redemption story. You can get some tips about relationships and all those things from it as well. But the book of Ruth at the core is a redemption story. How Christ takes people, their hurts, and he gives them something greater. We'll see that in the end, in the chapter four. All of this relates back to Jesus Christ. And I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to spoil it. But we'll wait in tune. Don't read ahead. Don't read forward. Don't read it again. Leave it alone. We will continue this next week, God willing, with chapter two. I hope that you guys have learned quite a bit from here. Just to summarize everything together. There have been a lot of different points we've, we've brought up. If we cannot leave things behind... We cannot be disciples of Jesus. Yes, times are tough. And the way that we ended it, this is tough. This is rough on Naomi. Don't read ahead. Things do get better. And the same thing I encourage you today with your life. I don't know what today looks like. I don't know what February looks like. When some are joyous, some are mourning. But I want you to know that so long as there is air in your lungs, you're breathing... You wake up every morning that God has something good on the way. We leave here today with Naomi in such a distraught position. She says, change my name. Don't even call me pleasant. For I'm bitter. I left full with all my kids that I've returned empty with this Moabite woman who is lovely. But she is not my husband nor my children. God is a redeemer. Amen. And he will redeem. We will see Naomi and Ruth. The same way God will redeem you in whatever story, whatever situation you're going through. The point that I said earlier was to that God, that God rewards faithfulness and he will stay faithful, stay faithful to the end. Please. If they were able to do it back then, if somebody who lost her husband, somebody who lost her kids, if they were able to do it and remain faithful, surely you can remain faithful when you get a C on a test, bro. Surely you can remain faithful when you get a D. Surely you can remain faithful when that teacher just doesn't seem too kind to you that day. Surely you can remain faithful when your friend breaks up with you. Surely. Oh, that's what we call them, right? That's what you tell your parents. Surely you can remain faithful when your friend leaves you. Broken hearts. Broken heart can kill y'all. But we're not going to talk about that today. 
Oh, that's true. Sometimes people got to go. But what I'm saying, guys, is that don't let the pain, don't let the tragedy, the hurt that you're going through be something that pushes you away from God. Let it be something that pushes you even closer. God does reward faithfulness. And I hope you stay tuned for next week to figure out how that happens. Amen? You got to wait a whole seven days, but it'll come back quickly. All right? So I'm thankful for all of you guys being here today. Thank you so much for listening. I pray that you took something wonderful out of this and that you continue to stay faithful regardless of what situation you're in. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for just allowing us to gather, allowing us to go through your word within Ruth chapter 1. Jesus, I pray that I was able to share with your people all that you desired for me to do. And they take from this that they need to follow you. That they must be willing to leave everything behind. That they should really reflect on what their relationship is like with you and why it is that they follow you. Is it just because their parents follow you? Or is it because they themselves have truly accepted you, Lord God? I pray the latter for them. I pray that they live their life fully dedicated to you, knowing that, yes, in this life there will be trouble, but take heart. For Christ, you have overcome the world. And you're constantly praying for us and interceding for us. And that you help us grow in faith, Lord. I pray that you help each and every single person here grow in faith. That gift of faith. You said you've given to every person a measure of faith. But I ask that you increase it for each and every single person here, Lord. Let our faith be able to compete successfully with all the things of the world, with all the different distractions, all the perfectly good things, but the things that do not honor you, God. Let us be able to live our lives in a way, in an attitude of said towards one another, to display that love that you sent your son to come and do for us. Let us be able to do it unto others. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen.